guys doing today? You guys doing good? Yeah, you guys feel blessed? Amen. I'm blessed too. This past week was really, really good. My husband and I are on our way, pretty much done with being sick. I think your cough is gone. My cough is lingering a little bit, but we're going to hope that by next week it's all gone. Um, so why don't we go to Matthew? We're going to go to Matthew chapter 20. And I'm going to be reading out of the New, King, the New King James Version. So if you have a phone, if you have a device, um, you can go ahead and customize the version that you're reading. Um, if you have a Bible and you don't have this version, then you have another version. That's okay. So go ahead and give me an amen when you guys got it. So Matthew chapter 20, amen. Can we start reading? Okay. So it says, for the kingdom of God, I'm sorry, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. Now when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Verse five, again, he went out and about the sixth and the ninth hour and did, and did likewise. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. You guys with me still? Okay, verse eight. So when evening had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those who came who were hired about the 11th hour, they, re they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed, I'm going to read that again, they supposed that they would receive more and likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner saying, these last men have worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who have been here, who have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give this, I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Or is, or is your eye evil? because I am good. So the last will be first, and the first will be last, for many are called, but few are chosen. So we'll stop there. <laughs> you guys are all quiet. <laughs> Life at times seems unfair. Amen? 
there are times in our life where we're placed in a situation that doesn't seem very fair, that doesn't seem very right, that seems like there's an injustice being done to us, that seems like we're lacking or we're not getting what we deserve according to our own eyes and according to our own thoughts and according to our own feelings. There are moments in every single person's life here that are unfair. Amen? I'm sure each and every one of you have had these moments where you feel like, where are you, God? What's going on? What's happened? Where, what, what did I do? Did I do something? Why are things going so wrong for me? Why are things so unfair? Why is life so unfair? And a lot of the time, when these unfair things happen, and I mean things like, even like natural disasters, earthquakes, floods, sicknesses, when things like this happen, a lot of the time, what we do is we blame God for it. God catches a lot of the blame for our unfortunate circumstances. And we say, why, God? Why? Why is this happening? Why have you allowed this to happen to me or to happen to us? Why, God? And in our hearts and even in our minds, we feel like God is unfair. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you today that God is unfair. God is unfair. In every definition of, of, of us as humans, every definition that we have for fairness in our eyes, we can safely say that God is unfair. That's a big statement for me to say because we don't always want to say those things. We are taught as Christians not to say those things. But sometimes we believe those things in our hearts. So who cares if we say them or not, if we're already believing them? You guys follow me? A few weeks back, I had a conversation with my mom. And I, I think I mentioned this to you guys. Um, but I had a conversation with my mom where I was able to, we were able to dive into some of these questions that she had. And in this conversation, she asked me, she said, you know, why does God only heal some and not others? Why is that? Why do the good suffer and the evil don't? Why does God allow those things? Why does he allow them, she was asking me. And what it showed me, what that conversation showed me, aside from, you know, opening a door and, and talking with my mom and bringing her to where, where hopefully I, I get to bring you guys today. Um, but it showed me how much you and I value fairness. Fairness is very, very important to us. We deem fairness to be critical, necessary. So necessary, in fact, that we've established a system that is supposed to be a just system which is our justice system. And this system is supposed to dictate things and it's supposed to set things in motion that are fair for everyone. Fairness is so important to you and I. 
with this system, sometimes we even feel like this system is unfair. So we protest against our supposed fair system. We protest against it and we, we, we hold demonstrations and we debate and, and, and we try to enact things like equal rights, Black Lives Matter, freedom to love who you want to love, and freedom of choice. All of these people with all of these things, what they're asking for is they're asking to be treated fairly. They're asking to be treated equal. So brothers and sisters, I hope you can agree with me today that we all desire fairness in our lives, all of us. Amen? With freedom of choice, with abortion, I, I'm just going to kind of camp there for a minute because that's a, a subject that I'm dear to. But with abortion, we say, well, it's fair to let a woman choose what she wants to do with her body. That's only fair. It's her body. Why should she be robbed of the, of the option or the decision or the choice of doing what she wants to do with her own body? And there are a large group of people that advocate that, that fight for that, that go to war for that. May not be like a physical war, but maybe a war of war, words. Or, you know, they, they, they petition, they, they create movements for the freedom of choice for women. But then on the other side, what about the person, that fetus growing inside, who cannot defend themselves, who cannot speak up for themselves? What about them? Where's fairness for that person? Where's fairness for that human being? And in that way, we're, we're stuck. We're stuck in this middle ground of, of what is fair and what is not, and who deserves fairness and who doesn't. Humanity's fairness, as you can see, is very, very subjective. It's not objective whatsoever. Objective means non-biased. It means that we don't have any personal connection to whatever choice needs to be made. But we, as humans, we are not unbiased. We are not objective. We are very subjective. And because we're subjective, fairness in our eyes depends on our feelings and our beliefs. Amen? Humanity's fairness justifies itself to put God on trial and demands humanity's, fa humanity's fairness from God. I'm going to say that again because I don't know if you guys heard that. Humanity's fairness justifies itself to put God on trial and demands humanity's fairness from God. Just like the men in the vineyard, we qualify ourselves to determine what is fair 
We place ourselves in the seat of judges. We decree ourselves rightful judges. And we say, I deserve and they don't deserve because it is fair. But we are not fair. We're being very subjective. We're siding with one group of people or with another group of people. We're saying we cannot disqualify them because of that. And we can't disqualify this group because of this. So where is fairness? What is right? What is truth? How do we solve this dilemma? How do we solve this issue? How do we get something done here? How do we, as humanity, how do we, how do we progress? How do we move forward? How do we defeat these things? How do we come as one so that we all prevail? How do we do this? Because what happens is, is that because it, it's up to us and it's up to what we think and it's up to what we feel, it's, it's crazy how, see, the men in the vineyard, they were saying that it was unfair that they worked the whole day to receive the same thing that those who worked an hour received. So what they're doing and what we sometimes do is we say, I've worked so hard for this. I deserve this. I've prayed on my knees for hours. I've fasted or, you know, I've worked hard. I've, I've put in the hours. I've put in the time. I deserve this raise. I deserve this job. I deserve this thing. And we're putting ourselves in a place of saying, I've done this and I deserve this. And they haven't done what I've done. So they don't deserve what I deserve. But why do we do that? Humanity's fairness does that. We don't know if, if, if that person that worked for an hour needed that money. They were standing out waiting for a job all day as well. They didn't get picked up, but they were also waiting. But what if those people have fam a family to feed? What if that man is, is the sole provider of his household? Why is it up to us to say because he didn't work for it, he didn't deserve it? Why is it up to us to say, I've worked for it, I deserve this blessing, and he hasn't, he doesn't deserve this blessing? This has happened to me in my personal life, things that I've dealt with. I had to, I, I, in that same conversation with my mom, I just feel like so much came out. And I, I expressed to my mom and, and even to my sister who was in the room, I was able to express to them some of my humanity and some of the ways that I had been feeling. And if I can be honest with you today, I've, I've gone through this same vineyard situation in my life. I've said, God, I did things right. You know, I followed your decrees. Why am I not getting what I asked for? And why does that person get what, what I want? They didn't even want that. They weren't even asking for it. They weren't even looking for it. But they get it. And I'm fasting. I'm praying. I'm crying to you every night, asking you for the one thing that that person gets so freely. Why is that? Where, where is fairness in that? Where is the fairness in that? But why do I disqualify that person? And why do I qualify myself? Why am I doing that? Maybe the reason why I'm doing that is, is the reason why I'm in the place that I am. Maybe God wants to teach me something. Getting a little emotional. Excuse me. Again, fairness is very subjective. 
And it's the reason why we sometimes believe that God is picking on us. We believe that we're the ant and God is up there in heaven somewhere sipping Kool-Aid with, with a microscope, like messing with us. Have you guys ever done that? You get a microscope under the heat and you put it over an ant and you start burning the ant? It's horrible. <laughs> it's pretty horrific when we think about it. But as kids, you know, we do that. And, and sometimes we feel like, God, you're picking on me. You're picking on me. I'm not getting anything on my Christmas list. <laughs> we find it hard to stay objective, which makes us unfit to judge or determine fairness. We're unfit. We are not the ones to decide this. That's why we can't get anything right. That's why our system, our judicial system, has cracks in it. It's broken. It's not totally fair because it doesn't, it doesn't work because it's based on what someone or someone's, what some people think is fair. But that doesn't necessarily make it right or it doesn't necessarily make it true. You guys follow? Amen? If we think about it, he does ask us to do some pretty unfair things. Wouldn't you agree? He asks pretty unfair things of us. Things that we feel like, God, why are you asking me to do this? Let's go to um, Matthew 5. And we're going to go to verse 38. And part of what we're reading is what is known as Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So... This is a lot of what Jesus is, is talking. You guys there? Okay. It says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you to resist an evil person. I'm sorry, not to resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. So let's, let's think about this here. God, you mean to tell me that if someone slaps me right across my face, I'm supposed to turn around and let them smack me the other way. <laughs> That's what he's asking us to do. He's saying, if someone sues you, give them more than what they ask for. I barely have enough for the frijoles. They want to take my tortilla budget too? Come on, God. What happened to an eye for an eye? That was fair. Can anybody agree with me? 
that was fair. <laughs> um, God, is, God is funny. He asks of us strange things which seem unfair. But let's, let's keep diving in. Jesus has empowered us for more, so he calls us for more. He has empowered us. He has placed us in right standing. Do we think that that's free from responsibility? Free from, from, from accountability? He's all loving, but all loving means all loving. And it means that he's going to do for us what he sees is good for all of us, not just what we find convenient, not just what we find fair, but everything that will benefit us in the long run. Imagine if this was in place today. And imagine if, if, if those regulations were in place in today's society. I'm going to go somewhere, but before I go there, I need to make clear that by no means do I condone this. And by no means do I take away the horror behind what I'm about to tell you. I don't excuse it. I am not for it. By no means. You guys got it? But we say that if a woman finds herself pregnant because of rape, then it is just and fair to then abort that child because of the, the psychological things it's going to do for, to the woman, maybe, or, or, or the horror or just whatever comes with that. And again, I, I can't speak on how horrible that is. I don't think I have the words or even know the words to say that can, that can explain or that can convey from my heart to yours how horrible that, that must be for somebody. Rape is not something that, that is easy. Rape is not something that is, that is, that is something that we can just kind of pass over. It, it's a really horrible thing. But can we imagine if we were to apply the turn the other cheek to that? Or the following, let's, let's go to verse 43. You guys there? It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Fairness, right? Fairness? Verse 44 says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil 
and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do you not, I'm sorry, do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, pay attention to this, therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Can you imagine a world according to this principle? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if believer and unbeliever loved their enemy? Forgave their enemy? That would be chaos. It's not fair. But I think a lot of things would be different if we just applied and lived the way Jesus asks us to live. With that, I, I want to actually show you a video. How many of you guys remember um, last year in Charleston, South Carolina, a young man went into a Bible study and, and shot and killed five, nine people? Do you guys remember that? Show of hands. Well. In June of last year, this man had his first trial. And what, what the judge allowed is ju the judge allowed the victims of, 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 the, of the shooter, their family members that were, that were killed, the judge allowed them to, to, ha to be able to say something to the court or, or to, the, to the guy who killed. And I want to show you just a couple of, of people here and what they had to say. Before we go into the bond process, I would like to ask, are there any members, or is there a representative of any of the family that would be here that wish to make a statement before this court, before I post or uh, set the bond? Ethel Lance, would you like to make a statement in regards to this hearing concerning Ethel Lance as a victim, ma'am? Would you like to come forward, please? You are representing the family of Ethel Lance, is that correct? And you are whom, ma'am? The daughter. The daughter. I'm listening, and you can talk to Ben. I just want everybody to know, to you, I forgive you. You took something very precious away from me. I will never talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. And have mercy on your soul. You hurt me. You hurt a lot of people, but God forgive you, and I forgive you. Thank you, ma'am, and I appreciate you being here. 
representative of the family of Myra Thompson. Sir, would you like to make a statement before this court? Please come forward. Your name, sir? Anthony Thompson. Mr. Thompson. I would just like him to know that. Speak up for me. I can barely hear you. Saying the same thing that was just said. You know, I forgive you, my family forgive you. But we would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent. Confess. Give your life to the one who matters the most, Christ so that he can change it, can change your ways no matter what happened to you, and you'll be okay. Do that, and you'll be better off than what you are right now. Thank you, sir. Could you guys all hear it? Yeah? Basically what happened is he, act, he asked two of the victim's family members to come up and share what they wanted to say, and the first lady said that she forgave him. And this man is, is watching in his cell with the two guards. And she says to him, I forgive you. She says, you've caused me so much pain, but I forgive you. And the, the gentleman who spoke after that, he really, when I was watching this video, it really, really touched my heart. Because he said the same. He said, I agree with her. I, I forgive him as well. He said, I forgive you. But then he goes on to say, he said, but turn to Jesus and repent because you're gonna be way better off. And to me, that just touched my heart because this is a person who is talking to the murderer of his, of his family member that he loves so dearly. And he's telling them that he forgives him. Not only that, but he is giving him something so amazing, which is the chance to accept Jesus. So can we imagine what the condition of our world would be if we all did this? If we all forgave and we all presented Jesus to those that we were forgiving. God is calling us to, he's calling us to this and he's calling us to uphold this, which is his justice. He's calling us to be his children. Like it says in verse 48, which I'm going to read again, and it says, Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. And these things that he had said that I read to you previously are those things that he is asking of us. And though to us, they may seem unfair, to him, they are perfectly just and fair and needed for us to get to where we need to be as children. And once we understand this principle, once we understand this life that God has for us, we get to be light bearers of this. We get to take this to the world. We get to be in places where we can influence others and teach them and show them through the Holy Spirit what justice really is and what fairness really looks like. A lot of the, a lot of the wrong with the world we can attribute to the lack of a father. We have nurturing, but we don't have identity. 
It seems like we're living in a fatherless world. It seems like this world is a single parent home, lacking structure, lacking both a mother and a father, or I'm sorry, having a mother but lacking a father. We are lacking the father. What this world is doing is we're pushing the father out of the house. If you notice, even on TV, the dad is not what he used to be in 1960 or 1975. We don't have that leave it to beaver dad. We don't have him. We have a dad who we're pushing out the door, a dad who is mocked, a dad who is a clown, a dad who is unimportant and unneeded. And that is a direct portrayal of what we're doing with our heavenly father. As a society, this is what's happening is we're kicking our dad out the door. We're living in a single parent household, lacking what the father has to bring to the home. We're lacking that. The father is gone and, and we, need to, we, need to, we need to show the world what they're missing. We need to show our neighbor who talks bad about us what they're missing, who they're missing. Let's go. If you guys want to join me, I want to go to John. We're going to go to John uh, chapter 10 and verse 10. Bless you. Can I have an amen when you're there? Everyone there? Okay. So it says, the thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that, and that they may have it more abundantly. Can you guys say steal, kill, and destroy? This is what's happening. I feel like the enemy is stealing our attention, killing off the father, and destroying what he has established in this world. He is stealing our attention, killing off the father, and destroying what he established. Each one of these things takes precedence after the previous. So, we cannot, the enemy cannot kill off the father. The enemy cannot kick the father out of the house if he first doesn't have our attention. And the father's rule, his established rule, cannot be destroyed if he is not first kicked off or killed off. You guys follow? So the enemy is trying to kill, I'm sorry, steal, kill, and destroy what we have to hold dear to. What we have to fight for. God's intent for us is to have abundant life, which comes with his rule and his justice. Amen? So, so what am I saying here? Like, what has this sermon been about? The sermon is saying that life is tough. And it seems unfair to us. Unfair things happen to us. But that is only because we're looking at it through our own eyes. 
if we were to step out of ourselves, step out of what we want, step out of what we feel we need for ourselves, and if we step into what God wants for us and what God is doing and what God intends for us, we will be able to enjoy and live in his justice, live in his fairness, have an abundant life, and be perfect just like our Father. This isn't something easy for us to do. It's not an easy thing. It doesn't come with saying one, two, three, go, and it happens. It takes time. It takes practice. But like I said earlier, Jesus has empowered us for more. He has equipped us to do this. God's justice, which is his fairness, partners with his grace so that you and I can do this, so that you and I can have abundant life. Why don't you get on your feet and let's just close this service out. And I just, I want to tell you that. I want to I challenge us, including me in this. I want us to be challenged and I want us to, to be about our father's business. Be, a, be about our father's business and live out and show this life to not only ourselves, but show this life to others. Let's apply to us and we will live life abundantly. Amen? God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, for what you have spoken to us today, God. If only one person needed to hear this, God, God, I just, I thank you for that, God. I thank you for that, Father, that you would just let this resonate in our hearts, God, that you would show us, Father, that amongst our sea of unfairness, Father, when it seems like oceans and waves are crashing down on us, God, you are good and you are just. Thank you, Father.